Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Cheeses. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, or as the cool cats call it, no pun intended, Cats and Cheeses. My name is James Goodlett. I am one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in good old LaGrange, Georgia. And this week, we do not have Adam Roberts in studio. Adam is out touring the great baseball ballparks of the Midwest at this point in time. He'll rejoin us in in a bit, in a couple weeks. You just got me, folks, today, although you do have Leighton Parker in studio, our producer and director, as always, sitting here, listening, judging, questioning, doubting. Speaking of questioning and doubting, today's scripture, or at least the scripture for the week, you know, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit on the life of a preacher. Ideally, we pick our scriptures well in advance. Not saying it always happens that way, but ideally we do, and... The scripture for this week I selected a long time ago. Now, I don't know why I chose it. Maybe I just felt like being challenged or thinking outside the box, which is kind of something I like to do. But it is the weekend immediately preceding the 4th of July, and... I saw this text apparently and thought, hmm, that'll preach. Let's see what I can do with that. Let's see what we can do with that. And I will tell you, it is a bizarre scripture. Second Kings, yes. Second Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. I'd urge you to take a little look at it. There is a lot going on here. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, I will try to unpack a little bit about what's going on here so, so we have some idea of the, the backdrop, the story behind the story. Naaman, who is commander of the army of the king of Aram, says he was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Okay, what is going on here? Well, Aram... And Israel were not exactly friendly. They were enemies. They were scuffling. So it is important to to note that Naaman is commander of the army of the enemy of God's people in Israel. That is... An important point to make. 
That is where we start. And then it says that Naaman was a mighty warrior, but he suffered from leprosy, which basically made him an untouchable. So you have this commander, this powerful person, this elite, who is nevertheless untouchable, not to mention extremely ill. And then it says that the airmans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So we are introduced to one of God's people who is in the precarious position of being enslaved. Not only was she a woman in those days, which was a powerless position, but she was a slave and served the commander's wife. She was marginalized. She was oppressed. Yet for some reason, in spite of her capture, she sympathizes for the commander of her enemy. And she suggests to her enemy's commander's wife, whom she serves, she says, if only he were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy, referring to... Elisha. And so Naaman goes in and tells his Lord what the girl from the land of Israel had said, and the king, Naaman's king, replies, well, go, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel, and and you can be healed. Now, let's be clear. This is very weird. The king, his Lord, is asking the king of his enemy, the land of Israel, to heal his commander. He is sending his commander to enemy territory to be healed by a prophet of the enemy. That that doesn't really compute. But that's how desperate Naaman is. He would go to enemy territory to be healed by the enemy. And as commander, I think it is reasonable to conclude or to assume that he was very much reviled, Naaman was, by the Israelites. They did not care for him one bit. He certainly had a reputation as a commander and mighty warrior of the enemy Aramaeans. But he is a leper. He is desperate. If there is a potential source of healing, he was willing to do that, even if it took him into enemy territory. So the king of Aram says, go, I'll... I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he goes. And he brings the letter to the king of Israel. And so there, standing before the king of Israel, is Naaman. Begging him to have one of his people, the king's people of Israel, cure this commander of his leprosy. And, of course, the king of Israel is all kinds of suspicious. Like, what in the world is this? 
what do you want me to do with this? I think what's really happening, the king of Israel rightly presumes, is that his enemy is trying to pick a fight, that there's something more going on here. Something insidious. But Elisha hears about it. And Elisha tells the king of Israel, listen, send him my way. I will heal him. And then at least that way he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. That there is somebody who can back up what they say in Israel. So Naaman goes on, goes to see Elisha. Elisha sends a messenger to, to Naaman. says, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Your flesh shall be restored. Naaman gets angry, first of all, because Elisha doesn't come out to see him, which, I mean, come on. Elisha, prophet of Israel, may not be too excited to be seeing the commander of the enemy's army. Why would he go out and see him anyways? But anyways, Naaman is insulted. He's like, well, why didn't he come out and see me? Why couldn't he come heal me himself? And oh, by the way, he's sending me to some river in Israel? Come on. We have rivers in our territory that are much better than the waters of Israel. I could wash in them, could, couldn't I, and be clean? Seriously. So Naaman's upset. But again, here we go. Servants speak up. This is the second time in this story, the first being when the young girl who was captive from the land of Israel, she speaks up earlier on. She has wisdom. She says, send him to our prophet. Then here in verse 13, Naaman's servants approach him and say, listen, just, just do it. Just wash yourself in the Jordan. And so he does it. He listens. Naaman listens. Goes to wash himself seven times in the Jordan. And guess what? The leprosy goes away. And what's not included in the scripture is that Naaman's whole tune changes. It says immediately afterwards, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Naaman has a change of heart when it comes to God's people in Israel. Now, what to do with this scripture? Especially, especially on the weekend immediately preceding the 4th of July, the holiday celebrating our nation's freedom, our nation's independence. What do we do with that in light of that? What do we do with this scripture when that very country seems to be tearing itself apart? Obviously, we had the ruling from the Supreme Court last week about Roe versus Wade overturning it. We had a ruling just a couple of days ago regarding prayer in schools that was also quite controversial to say nothing of 
the guns and the violence in our country. What do we say about this scripture with all of that as a backdrop? on the weekend of the 4th of July. That is what I have been working on, what I have been processing. And I will tell you, it is no easy thing. But there are a couple possibilities here. First of all, consider the fact that what we have in this story is a healing that crosses boundaries. Naaman and Elisha should have had nothing to do with one another. Their people were enemies. And yet Elisha heals Naaman. In more ways than just the physical. Yes, he heals his body. But he also heals his heart and his soul, his mind. He changes his life. Which is to say that God's power working through Elisha transgresses boundaries. If it were up to us, Naaman and Elisha would have remained separate. But God's love and God's healing has no borders. God's love expands. God's love includes. God's love embraces even the enemy. Naaman also drops his pride. Naaman, because he was so desperate, goes into the one place that he had no business going. And yet it is that very place where he is healed. There is something to be said about two cultures, two enemies, two opposites coming together and the story of God being told through that interaction. I wonder what it would look like for us to put our pride aside, our hatred aside, our divisions aside, and let God work through us, often in spite of us. There's something else I want to lift up. Who are the people in this story, who have the wisdom. It's not the kings. It's not the powerful. It's the enslaved. 
It's the servants. They are the ones who push the story forward. There is so much that we can learn from the people who are at the margins. There is so much wisdom to be gleaned if only we have the ears to listen to the unlikeliest of sources. This was an enslaved young woman speaking to the mistress of her country's enemies, chief commander. She pushes the story forward. Naaman's own servants encourage him to go see Elisha when his pride was about to get in the way, and he does so. They push the story forward. Whose voices do we need to be listening to? Whose voices do we need to be honoring in all these national narratives of violence and hatred, scorn? Is it the politicians? Is it the kings and queens in our midst? Or might it be from somewhere else? Because I think this story has a certain something to say about that. And that's the thing about Scripture. So much of the meat of a story, of the story, doesn't come from the powerful and the elites. It comes from the boundaries, the borders, the very boundaries and borders where God spends God's time, where Jesus spent his time, and the very boundaries and borders that God spends a lot of God's time pushing. It is a bizarre story to be sure. But there is something on this 4th of July weekend, nevertheless, that we can glean from two very different groups of people and representatives from those groups figuring out a way forward by the grace of God together. That concludes this episode of Catechesis or Cats and Cheeses, whatever you want to call it. Follow me. We will be back next week. And I will tell you, I'm looking at our director, producer, Leighton Parker's plans for season four of Lewis and Broad. Exciting stuff coming up. Can't wait to announce more about it. That season will be dropping at some point this fall. When we have more details, we will get them to you. What do you think about the scripture? Please engage us on our social media at Lewis and Broad. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Look forward to being here in studio next week. But until that point in time, remember who and whose you are. Hope everybody has a very safe and happy holiday weekend.
Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbrod.org. Until next week.